The We Are Wakefield podcast, produced by Starder Media, creating content to wow your audience. Welcome back to the We Are Wakefield podcast. I'm Claire Sutherly, MD of We Are Wakefield, and this is episode three. Today we're joined by Claire Pedley of The Pod Project and Raph Taylor of Camphill Wakefield. We discuss both their unique journeys and how they resulted in the perfect collaboration. Welcome to episode three of the We Are Wakefield podcast. Today we're joined by Claire Pedley, co-founder and director of The Pod Project and Raph Taylor, employability manager and careers lead at Camphill Wakefield. So we're going to just talk a little bit about the both of you, your backgrounds, your journey up to now, the the business, the organisation, and then we'll get to how you've worked together because I think it's an interesting story that leads up to all that. So Claire, we'll come to you first. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Welcome to Stardom Media. Um, just tell me a little bit about Claire Pedley. Um, well, I'm 41. It was my birthday last week. So oh, I'm getting the birthday. Um, so I'm I'm married to Andy Pedley. Um, we're very quite dull, really. Not dull, but we've been together 23 years. There's nothing so. dull about that. That's an achievement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know each other inside out. And um, I think that helps us massively because we do work together as well, um, which is, can be very intense. Um, we're a small family unit. Um, we've got two young children that are four and six years old, and we work from home. Um, we've worked from home for a number of years now. So prior to starting the pod project, we actually fostered for 10 years. Um, but it came to a stage in our life that it it wasn't right for us. Um, and it came to a natural end in the placements we had at the time prior to starting the, the pod project. Um, and just going to Andy a little bit. Um, Andy, he's, um, he's always worked from home. He's one of these people that's very skilled he can design and make anything he can master any sort of material or equipment he can weld he can lacquer he can french polish he can he can create beautiful products and pieces and this is where the project comes in wonderful so just going back a little bit then so you used to be foster carers yeah so how did that come about um i've always wanted to foster it's always been something that's been in the background of my life and my upbringing it's something I've always been aware of um, especially disability fostering and um, I've got a disabled brother and he used to go on respite um, and that would give us family time without my brother being there and also he'd get that one-to-one time elsewhere away from home um, we didn't go down the uh, disability fostering side we we did say mainstream um, we offered supportive respite primarily, um, and this was so we would have children that were, could be uh, difficult to place, all large sibling groups. In the 10 years that we fostered, we, we fostered over 160 children. Wow. Um, and we've actually kept um, in touch with quite a high number of these young adults now, and some of them have got their own children. And that's lovely to see them growing and developing their own families and making their own support networks. So that's lovely. And you've been a really special part of that journey for them. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's certainly some that hold a special place in our heart, and we're still quite involved in their lives. And it, it's great because they can come to us with their problems they've got now and for advice. And whether it's be, uh, in regards to bringing their own children up, or even work side, or different, just anything really mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and then you've got your own young family now we have yes yeah. so we've got emily and reuben um now they they did take a long time to come about it took us 10 years to achieve our yeah. pregnancies so um they were a real blessing uh, but they do make things challenging <laughs> at times oh they certainly do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah especially when you're running your own business from home as well I can imagine that's quite challenging this is it this is it. and that was certainly challenging when it came to COVID and the lockdown and the restrictions and mm-hmm. just still maintaining our own um, routines and structures and still like supplying like providing the children their education around that time as yeah, well so that yeah. was fun <laughs> juggling a million things yeah yeah. I can imagine. So we'll come back to Claire and hear more about the pod project because it conjures up some images. There'll be all sorts of people wondering now what actually is the pod project. And when I say pod, <coughs> it's P-O-U-R-E-D, pod. Yeah. 
Not, in a not as in dog paws, <laughs> no. which I've been asked a few times. Okay, so Raf, welcome. Thank you, and thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, tell me about Raf Taylor and Raf's journey. Okay, so I have a very interesting journey, and obviously Campbell Wakefield is quite unique, I think, amongst the We Are Wakefield network. Absolutely. <clears throat> But interestingly, there's a couple of parallels that just, you know, hearing Claire's story, um, which I was aware of before, but being reminded now, there's a couple of parallels there. So in essence, um, I've been involved with Camp Hill since I was born. Uh, my mother was a house mother in a Camp Hill in Scotland. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, it was founded in Scotland in the 1940s. Uh, it is obviously an international organisation with communities all over the world. So my mum was a house mother in Camp Hill in the late 70s when I was born. When I was six months old, she moved to central Scotland to start a new community in a huge hunting lodge in the kind of foothills of the Scottish Highlands um, as a single mother together with another single mother with one child. So as kids, we grew up running around a huge kind of 60 bedroom hunting lodge um, and all the associate grounds around it. But in that, we also grew up um, amongst adults with learning disabilities. So my whole kind of uh, childhood and up to my mid-teens was living with adults with learning disabilities and primarily young adults. Uh, when my parents, my mum married in 1986 and moved to Wakefield to what was then called Pennine Campbell Community, which is now Campbell Wakefield. Um, I went to school in York. We were shipped off every day, about six kids in a car to York and back for seven years. Interesting journey to school. <laughs> um, that was to attend a Steiner school, which is based on the same philosophy as Camp Hill. Um, I spent a few years in school elsewhere in London. Leaving there, I worked at Camp Hill Wakefield, then Pennine, um, as a young volunteer co-worker at the age of 19, um, working on the farm absolutely loved it but knew that I needed to just step out and do something else and see what else was there in the world so I spent seven years out going through retail management which I hated and then college and university to study fine art which was fun and enjoyable um, although I found that through community art projects I wanted to work with people then I had a gap year, then I trained as a um, lecturer in special educational needs, so doing a PGC in post-compulsory education, which led me then to decide formally to come and work at Pennine Community, where I taught woodwork for seven years, um, also living on site, um, again with the young adults with learning disabilities, but in this time as a kind of formal, as a house parent role, so providing personal care, social care, living alongside them, having all our meals together, spending sometimes at the weekend, trips out, plus then the teaching side. Um, progressed through the years as um, Pennine became less and less residentially based, so less residential students, more day students, really down to changes in, in funding systems. Um, but the kind of ethos has, has remained similar. So up until three and a half years ago, I was living on site and my wife at the time was also living on site. So she ran one of the houses and I then did my teaching um, before moving in to take on what was then called our ACE programme. And that's the access to community employment where me and my team of job coaches support students into the workplace, aiming for some part time paid work. So on moving out. Um, me and my wife decided to become shared lives carers, which is um, to adults with learning disabilities what fostering is um, to children. So, in essentially very similar to um, you know what Claire has done, and that's what we currently do, and that's incredibly rewarding. We have you know young youngish adults who live with us, and then we also provide respite. Amazing! What a journey. Did you realise when you were growing up that you had a slightly different, rather unorthodox childhood? Yeah, very much. Because especially when and when camp hills were all called communities, and, and many still are, to, to tell people that you live in a community, the first thing that people jump to is the idea of a hippie commune. Yeah. <laughs> and oh wow, do you all you know, do you all run around naked or do you all, you know, do you all <laughs> sing songs or and actually quite a lot of Camp Hill, which which has a basis in um so you know some Christian and some you know Christian faith um, 
not really a kind of formal religious, but there is Christianity behind it. And that was following, you know, the Christian festivals throughout the year, um, which we do to some extent, but we, we broadened out a lot over the last probably 10, 15 years to include education around kind of multi-faith um, and much more kind of, you know, diverse views towards world religion. But yeah, very different. And do you think that you could have ever taken another path? I mean, you've been in that environment all your life from birth. So the stars were kind of aligned, don't you think? Yeah. And my mum said to me, you know, when I was young, kind of like mid-teen, she said, you're going to be a teacher. And I insisted, no, I'm not. Um, and, and I did kind of, you know, I stepped out for seven years um, where I, you know, I was first working in retail and then, you know, going to college, going to university. A lot of the time still had my, you know, one foot in the door almost. So my, when I did my degree, the art projects, um, I then ran some community art projects and I did two of them, both with students at Camper Wakefield. So I'd commute back from Preston once a week to run a project over a 12 week period. So yes, I always had that kind of, that being drawn back, finding something, but I, I knew I had to take a step out to then view it a little bit more objectively. I didn't want to be kind of stuck there because I loved it and, and blinkered and hadn't seen, you know, a bit of the wider world. A bit of the, the world outside. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's so interesting. But for the listeners now, we need to explore what the pod project is, what Camp Hill Wakefield is, because we've talked about your journeys to this point, but not actually discussed what the pod project and Campbell Wakefield is so Claire let's come back to you tell me about the pod project what it is how it came about um, and, and what a typical day in the life of the pod project looks like okay um so we are a family-run business that specialized in luxury concrete products so when i say luxury concrete products these are concrete baths concrete basins uh, worktops upstands anything really that you want in something a little bit different that can be tailor-made to suit you and um, so this came about well it started is in 2016 roughly as um, the Pedley Basins and what happened was Andy at the time was working for the founder of Burton Mayer his own personal residence now Burton Mayer um, they specialise in handmade tiles which is co-aligns with ourselves and he, he just in conversation he just asked Andy whether or not Andy could make him a concrete basin and Andy being Andy said yes he could right um, and then figured it out <laughs> figured afterwards. it out from there yeah <laughs> um, so this is a, he's then spent a number of months researching developing testing the uh, different um, components of concrete um perfecting our mix at that time and he um, he then um, carved by hand on the lathe a round basin and that was our first basin that we brought out and unfortunately uh, Bert and May at the time loved the basin um, took those on as stock immediately and then we then started to develop our next product um, and we really saw at the point this point actually we've got a we've got a really good foundation for a good business here mm. this is there um, this is also the time when our, uh, our eldest daughter was born um, and we were just changing our focus as a, as a couple um, and this is where the fostering came to an end and then um, the pod project became um, a limited company in 2018 um, and then a number of weeks after that our second was born right. so, um, <laughs> busy time busy time um, so my role in the company is I'm the one who if you've got an inquiry or if you're phoning or emailing it'll be me that it comes to mm-hmm. um, so I, I do the accounting the marketing the social media um, anything that's in the background but I am also trained in the workshop use as well I can weigh the mixes out I can lacquer basin I can process I can finish I can box them up and send them out so we, we all we're all quite multi-skilled yeah as um, in most small businesses yeah. you wear 10 hats a day yes. uh, yeah, yeah. At, le- at least and I think that gets overlooked a lot in small businesses mm-hmm. um, but we have um, we have a great support network around us so we only sell through uh, retailers and um, 
and all of our retailers are small family-run businesses and they've got the same ethos as us. We want to offer that good luxury service. We're not going to be knocking out 100 basins a day. This is a luxury product. We have lead times, but we will tailor make each product to your specification to make it unique to yourself and your project. And I think that's really benefited us. Um, we are, we're seeing a lot of repeat customers. Um, especially with Andy's skill set. So if you look on our website or on our Instagram, our Instagram is better, it shows a good reflection of our products. All of these are handmade by hand and our process is slightly different, say, to some of our competitors. Andy will hand make the product from wood initially. He'll hand carve these if they need hand carving. The bath was hand carved. Wow, that's that's a big it that was a inside <laughs> a big project, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was created over it took over two years wow. um, to just ma- to just get that to the to the final finished project with piece we've got now. But I can tell you now it is the most comfortable bath I've ever sat in. Yeah. Um, it's got features that you can't necessarily see when you first look at them, but once you sit in them you like you can notice then the attention to detail is astounding. Um and then uh, from the, like using the bath as an example, so we've made Andy makes that, and then he'll make the form work, and then he hand makes all of the molds as well. So we don't import anything from outside of the um, UK for like the mold. We don't use say a generic mold that another company's using. Everything is tailor made by us, um, and that goes with our bespoke projects as well. So I don't know, say you've got um, a, a bathroom and you've got what well, you've got a quirky shape and you want in say a worktop with a built-in basin, we can make that for you. We can design it for you, or you can work with your architect or interior designer, and we'll create that to their specifications. It's and absolutely amazing. I've got to say that your Instagram oh. page <laughs> is phenomenal. I just love. It's, it's like therapy, scrolling <laughs> through it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. So how do you create such beautiful images then? Do you use photographers or do you do that yourself? Um, we, we do use a photographers occasionally. I will be completely honest, we're small family run and it does come down to cost at times. And mm-hmm. we can't always afford the photographers. So primarily it is our own images, our clients' images. We always request once and... A project is finished for them to send us completed images because um, we don't get to see the finished project. If we've got, we're sending them out up and down the country, we, we don't know where they're going. So it's lovely. I love it when we get receive images that we can share. Yeah, um, and they're always so beautiful. They are. And when you see like all the different colours, so green is an incredibly popular basin at the moment. Um, and blues and then when you see them in the fin- like in their final home you think yeah that's with the right person and like jewels yeah concrete jewels <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely definitely really yeah so and then there's been another quite recent project there has with the radiators so yes. tell us a little bit about that because the thought of a concrete radiator doesn't quite compute how, yeah. how does that work so this has come about um this has been our our, way, our baby for the last few years so what we wanted to do was offer something slightly different and what we're offering is a preheated concrete bath so we've developed and worked with another company and introduced the technology into our materials and um, what this will do the bath enables you to preheat the bath so once you've run the bath and you're sat in there you can lean against the bath and it's a nice warm concrete on your shoulders how luxurious very luxury (laughs) so absolutely amazing um but once we started working with that we started to realize that actually this is something a little bit bigger than the odd luxury item Mm. and so we started developing our concrete radiator range and so we have paint centered Um, we've got very innovative technology and what we have found is that our products are, are incredibly energy efficient, low to run. Um, we're looking at, um, it's, an, it's an innovative way to heat your home as an alternative to gas-fired central heating. And these are garnering a lot of interest at the moment because it is a hot topic. Absolutely, and, sustainability, yeah. cost of living. Exactly, it's every box there, doesn't it? This is it. And our radiators um, can run. Well, they they can run from as little as one hundred and fifty watts an hour, which is incredibly low. Um, and as a 
our, our, in our own family home we've been heating our home with using the radiators from Christmas um, right. and we've seen a massive increase in our um, savings so we our bills have gone down dramatically by not using the gas central heating and using our radiators so. that's brilliant so you've actually been trialing it yourselves yeah. and you've seen the results for yourself yeah and we've also got other early users that have been using them as well um, in different parts of the UK and mm-hmm. it's all good feedback that's um, wonderful isn't it yeah and we've been working with Huddersfield University further developing these um, and they do they offer a great service where they product test in what's called their smart house um, and they've been working on these since Christmas as well so it's all very promising it's really exciting isn't it and I've been to your home yep and I was driving around <laughs> Nottingley looking for this huge concrete plant and there is one in Nottingley there is not Behind far house. from your house <laughs> yeah just weirdly and I pulled into there and I thought there's nothing about the pod project here and I had to ring you and I pulled up outside your house completely didn't expect that at all after <laughs> seeing the products and then it's it's just amazing how you create all this from your back garden <laughs> yeah is it there's the chickens clucking around and you know yeah oh it's just absolutely phenomenal so just set the scene and tell us what to expect (laughs) if you actually visit the pod project yeah we have to pre-warn you that we are a family-run business and we've got children we've got hens and we've got dogs um i'm an avid gardener so i'm i uh, i love veg growing and my veggies and my fruit so you'll always see signs of that so you do and (laughs) What do you grow the plants in, Claire? Um, I've got a concrete bath that's in my rhubarb in. <laughs> um, and then I've got some of the concrete basins where I've got my onions, my fig, my grapevines. Of course. <laughs> yeah, why just, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? Yeah, You're so nothing goes to... Have. This yeah. is it. It doesn't go to waste. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you'll literally come through our house and it again, it's... Um, it's like an Aladdin's cave. You don't expect our home when you walk through it. It's like a TARDIS. It is. It is um, unbelievable. Yeah, um, and that's where all the magic happens at the in the workshops. It so. really does, and the workshops are quite vast. So you've got quite a bit of space there. Yeah, you? yeah. And and like I said before, the, all these concrete jewels. Yes, <laughs> stacked on the shelves of, of the workshops. It just looks fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it is something special. It really is, and I think that's given us um, that's support, that's given us a chance to develop as well and grow as a company um, because we've not had the worry of overheads over uh, to cons- to be worried about yes. really, especially during like the lockdowns and restrictions. We um, we were able to carry on working because we we work together and work from home. So how um, did you find the pandemic then? What difference did it make to you? Did you still have custom or did you use that time to develop things? We found it incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. So um, at that point, we were we sold exclusively through our retailers. Um, and once we, we, we saw how our retailers were struggling, they, once the show, um, high streets had to close, people are not going to be spending £1,000 on a luxury concrete basin if they can't see it, if they can't view it feel it touch it um and it was a really worrying time for us and also we worried a lot for our retailers during that time because at the end of the day they needed their footfall they need their clients they need the high streets to be open um we've only we've only recently started working with one retailer that sells exclusively online where everybody else is showrooms and they are a small family run um so it was, it was difficult and it did affect us it did slow us down yeah. um but we haven't disappeared we're still here so we uh, we've managed and, to weather the storm from strength to strength by the sounds of it i mean that the radiator project is really exciting isn't it it is it is and i think that'll really put us on um the map for a lot of people once these start to come out into the market in the coming months sorry to interrupt your podcast but is your business in desperate need of a lick of paint an out-of-date website, branding that just isn't a true representation of your business. Looking for fresh new video content, animation, live streaming, a new podcast, and content that will grab people's attention and drive eyeballs to your brand. Starter Media can help. Get in touch today, www.stardermedia.co.uk. Right, back to the podcast. 
Yeah, it's it's just a great story. I love it, and I absolutely <laughs> loved having a look around. It was absolutely wonderful. So coming back to you, Raf, tell us what Camp Hill Wakefield is, what you do, um, because obviously it's it's not um, it's not a place that a lot of people in the district know about, actually. No, absolutely right, and not even a lot of people in the local area. <clears throat> I regularly meet people who say, I live around the corner from there and I don't know what happens. Um, so essentially, as a post-16 specialist provision, it is a college. But when I invite people over and say, you're coming to a college, they are completely blown away by what they see because it does not look, sound, smell like a college. Um, yeah. And both of you can attest to that, that you know you expect a college to be corridors and classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you'll enter from the car park and there's a reception building that looks like most other places with a sign-in desk and receptionist and some student artwork up. The moment you step out the doors at the back, you're outside again, which really goes quite a long way to say what Campiel is, Campbell Wakefield is and the difference. Um, we're based on about 50 acres of land, most of which is working farmland. Um, we have about 12 to 15 acres of the actual college grounds which is where most of the teaching happens Um, and again with it being land-based we teach through we teach vocationally through farming animal care and estate work and gardening Um, and I'll go a little bit into some of those in a bit because they're broader than just that Mm -hmm. we also teach vocational craft sessions um, and that's at the moment is woodwork textiles and pottery we have in the past taught um, basket weaving as well. Um, again, all these things might be kind of pointing back towards that hippie community <laughs> idea. <laughs> the basket weaving, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And interestingly, when I did my art degree, me and my friend were always kind of jokingly referred to as the basket weavers of the of the snowboard club because right. everybody else looked at a fine art degree as, what are you going to do with that? Right. Um, we were basket weavers back then. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and did you like that? I didn't mind, you know, you take it in your stride, yeah. you know, fine art is a very creative um, and different, you know, kind of approach. Mm-hmm. It's when, you, when you're working with product designers or graphic designers or sports scientists who have a very clear definition of what they do and what they'll go into. So it was a different model. Mm. Um, but back to Camp Hill. And so this vocational learning is... Is not just enrichment and it isn't just activities for the students to do. They love the doing and they've come from school where it's been quite a lot of classroom based. Um, and for them, it's really stepping out of the classroom and going from learning into doing. And, and for them, it's amazing. You know, they, they have an outstanding experience um, where they get involved. They take responsibility. They take ownership. They learn about teamwork, communication and employability. Our challenge in that is to remind them that while they're doing, they are still learning because that's what we need to prove. You know, they're funded educationally through what's called an education, health and care plan, which gives them entitlement to education up to the age of 25. Um, Most students will achieve their outcomes by the kind of, you know, late teens to early 20s. Um, because they are aspirational and they are aiming generally for a lot of students towards some kind of work um, and greater independence in life. So can you just, for the benefit again of of the listeners, can you explain who your students are and their particular needs? Yeah, so all of our students have, as I mentioned, what's called an education, health and care plan. And they get that because they have additional needs, which could be that they're on the autistic spectrum or they have Down syndrome or a whole variety of, um, you know, syndromes or um, disabilities. Um, Generally with those is associated learning difficulties or disabilities. Um, Again, these are all, you know, terms that are interchangeable. And, you know, some have their stigmas, but actually for what we do, they're empowering because by having that EHCP, it entitles or it determines the support that that young person needs to achieve their education. They will all have outcomes in that EHCP and those outcomes are based on a really sound assessment of their needs, their abilities and then also their preferences. Um, All students are, are over 16 and are entitled education up to 25. 
So, but the majority of our students will be between the kind of 16 to probably 21, 22 age group. Yeah. And and part the, the important part in your role is actually getting students ready for potential employment opportunities. So what does an industry placement look like for the Camp Hill Wakefield student and for the employer? So each placement is entirely unique and bespoke for both the young person and the employer. Um, With my team, I work with three other job coaches and their role is to support that young person on placement and equally to support the employer with how to provide the you know the right kind of um, setting um, and the right support for that young person because the intent is to aim for independence in the workplace so by the end of a placement we we aim that the job coach has stepped back to the point where they don't need to be present in the workplace anymore that's a successful placement um, obviously at the start is full one-to-one support because that young person doesn't know the business, doesn't know the roles, doesn't know the jobs. And equally, the business, the employer, the work buddy, the supervisor, whoever it is, doesn't may not know how to best support that young person. There is a, an, a legitimate fear um, from all businesses about how it's going to work, mm-hmm. simply because it, it, goes, it, it looks like it goes against the norm. And typically, you know, businesses who want to recruit, they put out an advert, people apply, proving on paper that they have the requisite skills to perform that job. Uh, You then do your vetting, you do, you know, and then you decide who you interview and then you shortlist Mm -hmm. and then you pick who you think on paper is the ideal candidate. You actually have no idea what that person is like at the job. You're trusting on that. And any employer who's done any recruiting whatsoever will be nodding the head right now. Yeah. Because you're not really learning who that person is and what they're capable of yeah. until they start that job. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the supported employment model really turns that on its head um, and it is called the place then train model. So you start almost at the end, you start by placing somebody in the workplace. Um, obviously leading up to that for all those employers out there who are now going, oh my God, someone's just going to turn up and be expected to work. Mm-hmm. Wow. We come in, we do, we get an external agency to do a risk vetting. We come in, do an assessment of the premises to look at um, all the kind of sensory, you know, um, elements around there. Because, you know, those of us who are neurotypical, we, we can zone out of things that go on around us. We know how to filter. There's a television buzzing or there's a light flickering or there's noise from a road outside. We can filter that. We can kind of switch off from it and focus on our job. Mm-hmm. But some of our students can't do that. You know, particularly on, on the autistic spectrum, every sensory input is, is a determining factor on how somebody is in the environment. So we will do all of that. We'll come in, meet the business. We also do a job analysis, which looks at the different roles, <coughs> excuse me, the responsibilities, um, what's expected of, you know, in the business. And then we do a vocational profile with the student, which looks at their skills and abilities, their needs and preferences. And then in college, we start matching those two things together. So we might have a student who says, I really want to be a football manager or I want to work in a football stadium. So if their vocational profile lends towards working outdoors, you know, kind of that grounds work idea, and there's a role available, we can start matching that. Mm-hmm. Or equally somebody with admin skills, you know, matching that to, you know, reception or, or an admin job. Yeah. And the young person comes in and just tries out, you know, two, three, four hours a week with the job coach there um, to support them to try out the role. They'll do a working interview first. And if that's successful, let, let's then start the placement. And then over time, that young person becomes confident in the role. The job coach can step back. The employer is not required then to have somebody providing one-to-one supervision at all times, you know, where there is an element of, you know, of a work buddy or a supervisor to learn new stages. It's Mm -hmm. brilliant, but it's not a requirement. So effectively, we, there is a sense that we can cut out that kind of recruitment process. Um, The placement doesn't cost the employer anything. Um, And in some cases, that job coach, as they start stepping back, can provide a little bit of help elsewhere. Uh, not many employers kind of turn, oh, yes, please, because they feel we're taking advantage of mm. you. But in the past, I've been out on placements, you know, in, in a catering environment, 
and the young person's cracking on with the role, you know, they're making loads of stuff ready and I can either go sit in the office or I can say, you've got a massive pile of dishes there, you've got somebody off today, I'll get stuck in. Well, that's wonderful. They're getting two for the price of one. Can be, yeah. For free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a win-win, isn't yeah, it? It is. So would you say this is a, a largely untapped workforce here that employers are not really aware of? Yeah, absolutely. And and this, you know, nationally this is, and, and the selling point is that it's an untapped resource. Um, and I think Campbell Wakefield sits right at the forefront of that because our students are learning vocational skills. And some of our internal work experience will equip them with the exact skills needed in a workplace. For example, we've run internal enterprise catering where we sold um, sold lunches to staff members. And because of that, we had to um, adhere to what's called the Safer Food, Better Business guidelines. Mm-hmm. So um, myself and the job coaches were trained at level two. We had the Safer Food, Better Business procedures in place. And that involves everything from what you call opening checks through the day to closing checks, how you clean things down, how you keep records, doing stock rotation, doing what's called prove it records. So have you, your jacket potatoes out, have you tested they're all above 82 degrees? Um, and the students then learn that. So they could go to an employer and say on their CV or on their kind of application, I want to work in your cafe, what have you got? Well, I know how to do this, this and this under Safer Food, Better Business. We're speaking the same language. Absolutely. And, then and you're students, not starting from scratch. Absolutely, yeah. And our students are coming in with transferable skills that they might learn in woodwork or farming because the key there might be about, in woodwork, it'll be about precision, measuring, you know, repeated processes. Um, and we have a graduate who works for a pie factory in Osset who on his very first working interview made uh, pastries that were shop quality. And they were blown away in the business because Mm -hmm. they said none of their apprentices who start have ever produced shop quality on day one. Maybe week two, week three they get there. But he went in, performed for two hours on a working interview and they said, right, they're they're going off to our retailers. And that was because of transferable skills he'd learnt in a woodwork. That's Um, amazing, isn't it? I mean, we talk a lot about transferable skills in, I mean, I, over the years, I, I've, I've taught employability and uh, you focus a lot from um, parents who are wanting to get back into the workplace, the transferable skills they don't realise they have. You know, being organised, keeping to time frames, organising a team. Yeah. You know, yeah. pe- parents don't realise that they have these transferable skills that work well in the workplace. And I'm sure it's exactly the same. Yeah from what you're saying there. So what's a typical day at Campbell Wakefield? Is there a typical day at Campbell Wakefield? Yes and no. For me, there's a typical day. I mean, part of it is every student needs to have their timetable. And all of our students absolutely benefit from structure, routine. Um, And equally, that is an employability skill that you can't teach. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is something that, you know, graduates, and and I know I'm digressing now, Claire, but I'm selling young people in the workplace. Absolutely. (laughs) Sell, sell, sell. Routine is a young person who will turn up at the exact time they're supposed to, every day they're supposed to. They will work the hours they're supposed to, and they will very rarely be ill. So you're going to have somebody who after years you know looks to you like a really committed and dedicated worker Mm -hmm. now that comes down to why also they need that structure so we all arrive you know between 8 and 8 30 as staff and then five to nine the doors open and somewhere in the region of up to about kind of 55 60 students rock up through our reception all at the same time with taxis in the car park it can be a bit manic (laughs) but what they do then is they spread out across the site and they go to their learning area the first thing is registration. So it is a bit of, you've just arrived in college. Let's let you land in your session. We do something called zones of regulation, which where we talk to all the students, which zone are you in? And there are four different zones and they kind of relate to, are you feeling happy, sad? Are you anxious? Are you angry? Are you tired? And, and various other things. And that starts the day with a baseline of where is everybody today? And the staff all put themselves on on them as well. And we don't always stick ourselves on the green one saying I'm happy and I'm fine because we're not modelling real life. No. So we'll stick ourselves on. So today I'm a bit blue. I'm, 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 I'm a bit sad. And the students can ask why. Because this happened. 
and then you get some peer support. Mm -hmm. So registration is that first half hour, <clears throat> which is land. We do Makaton Sign of the Week, um, and Makaton, for anybody who doesn't know it, is what's called sign-supported language. So it's not like British Sign Language, which is a language in its own right. Makaton is using signs and signing together with spoken um, the spoken word to provide additional communication. Um, but we do that across college. And, and those of you who were at Featherstone Rovers when I did my little presentation, you learned a few things that I'm we sure do. you've forgotten now. Because if I learned something six months ago and didn't use it, I'd forget it as well. And that's it. It's like any skill, isn't it? It's keeping yeah. it up and, and the practice. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll, um, we'll have a, a reprise of that, but we'll come to that <laughs> again in a moment. <laughs> So continue with the day. Yeah. Yeah. So the day generally, there's the morning and the afternoon. Um, most morn most sessions are either a morning or an afternoon. And that's where the student will go to either their vocational session, which could be land-based or craft-based. Um, and they could go to life skills, which is about independent living skills, learning, you know, how to look after yourself in the home, how to keep safe online safety, um, keeping safe in the community, travel training, shopping, cooking, eating, healthy living, um, also looking at independent living for the future. Where do you want to live when you, you know at some stage you might want to leave home? And it's a big pull that for students and for parents or carers alike who mm -hmm. think, oh, we can't think about that. Um, however, it's a reality and we need to afford our students the opportunity to see what's out there so they can make informed choices. I mean, these are life lessons that most neurotypical teenagers don't have yeah. and are not taught because they're not on the school curriculum, are yeah. they? Yeah. So they are genuinely valuable life lessons for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. At that stage in life. Yeah. Yeah. So we are coming to Camp Hill. We are bringing the We Are Wakefield Roadshow. Yeah. And in all its glory to Camp Hill in June. Yep. What can our members expect to see? Um, well, the first thing is we're having to hold it during half term, which means there won't. Well, there, there may be a very small handful of students on site that you may see. However, we can't accommodate in the region of 150 visitors arriving with all the cars at the same time as nearly 100 students. No. There simply isn't the space for everything to happen at the same time. And that number of people kind of descending on Campbell Wakefield would cause potentially a kind of whole college distress. Yes. Most of the individuals would cope with it, but when it becomes a distraction to that level, it's something we can't manage. No. So while you're not going to be seeing that many of the students, what you are going to see is the site. You're going to walk through most of it to get to the hall where the event's held. So you'll see the gardens, you'll see the farm. Hopefully you don't smell too much of the farm. Um, and equally, it is a beautiful site though, isn't it? Yeah. The college is really beautiful. It is stunning. And, and it really is, it lends itself to that, you know, students also being empowered to work in a kind of micro community, um, but have the independence to kind of navigate their way between houses, between um, classrooms, between farm, garden, between life skills learning, between the employability hub, all, all that kind of stuff. So you're going to see most of it. You're going to see the fabulous old Victorian mansion at the top end, mm -hmm. um, which at the moment is providing life skills learning and office space on the top floor. But we do have some exciting developments about about um, enterprises that may or may well will um, potentially in the future involve external partnerships. Um, so there's some really exciting stuff there for the future. But you will see the site and... Um, I've discussed with Claire that after the networking event, we're going to set up a few kind of guided tours around. So you get to see the workshops. You get to walk into a woodwork where there is a bandsaw, there's a drill press, there's a belt sander, there's a bobbin sander. Um, tech that Claire's well aware of, and I know because <laughs> I taught woodwork for seven years, but we don't shy away from the tools of the trade. Yeah. So our students get to progress to using those tools as and when they're assessed as healthy and, and safe. You'll see the pottery, um, you'll see the land-based workshops. Um, we hope we've still got some smallish lambs at the time that you'll get to see as well. I hope so too, yeah. I really do. And what we've got to point out at this point is everyone needs to come in sensible footwear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll get all the information out, obviously, before the event. But I'm so looking forward to bringing everyone to Camp Hill, just so they can 
experience what a wonderful place it is. Now I want to get to how the Pod Project and Camp Hill Wakefield joined forces. So, Claire, you joined We Are Wakefield towards the end of last year, wasn't it? Was it September that you first came along? Yeah, and we were were signed on by November, October, November. And I've got to admit, and I do this with a few businesses, so it's not just yourselves, but I thought... What are they going to get out of being part of We Are Wakefield? So just tell us a little bit about your We Are Wakefield experience so far. So, um, obviously, well, we've worked with RAF, which has been a a great experience for ourselves. Um, We've also um, started working loosely with um, Helen from Mm -hmm. Solupac. Episode one of the We Are Wakefield podcast. Yeah. Um, We've also collaborated with Andy, the photographer. Jaja. Yeah, Yeah, Jaja Photography. We we had him over doing a day of shooting uh, for some projects product shots lifestyle images and just um just so you could see a bit of the background of ourselves and you'll see his images on our instagram yes um and i'm sh- well he does share them as well so mm-hmm. um but yeah and we're also um in discussion at the moment with another we are wakefield member the c um for the business insurance with the yorkshire insurers oh right so okay the yorkshire broker that's the yes. one yeah yorkshire yeah. broker yeah, um, yeah so um they're setting up our insurance for this coming year so that's another collaboration it's yeah. wonderful isn't it because it's the thing I love about our community and that's what it is now is that it's very much a two-way street it's not an environment where people go in and sell 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 they're looking at how they can support other local businesses in supplying to them yeah Uh, and I'm sure it makes your life easier as well if you've built up a relationship with someone and you need their services so that's that's brilliant this is it and what we found as well especially like with solar park is we're always being asked how do you clean our products and I can say now speak to Helen at solar park their products work on our basins they're brilliant and they're the same ethos as they're an environmentally friendly product they're a family-run business and it works hand in hand with us yeah it's a great partnership it really is and Camp Hill Wakefield long term members now relatively so when did you come along Raf? it was early we're just at a year aren't we so you've been involved for a year you were key speaker at the November event at Featherstone Rovers and obviously we're we're bringing everyone to you in June but what's your experience been so far has it worked for you being part of this community it's been huge it really has um, and having been members previously of the, you know, the similar network in Wakefield, um, which we used for the, you know, the same kind of reason to meet and, and build partners, you know, this time round the We Are Wakefield, the difference is immense. Um, what I always talk to people about is the enthusiasm and the momentum. <clears throat> and that hasn't changed in a year. That is still there. And if anything, getting stronger. So in terms of who we work with, you know, it's I will be guaranteed to forget various members because there's loads you know there's a lot of people that have come out to see us Mm. um uh, you know we started um the very first one i went to claire had said to me you've got to see solupac as i walked through the door at quarry hill um i see helen and marcus i see solupac said right i need to talk to you and that was it within a month they were they'd been on site they'd done a presentation to our students about their product and their business um, I'd been out to see them a couple of a month later. We'd taken students on a visit. Um, I think on the back of kind of talking to Helen, they'd also registered as disability confident. Um, so Solipac was a big one. We are still working with them to get students into some placements soon. Um, so Helen, if you're listening, get in touch because it's it, it's now. You know, <laughs> it's we, now. We, we've we we've got you. someone ready mm-hmm. for you. Brilliant. But we've worked with Wakefield Hospice and obviously we've had a long-standing partnership with them. Mm-hmm. However, it was linking with Greenkeeper or Greenskeeper. Yes, Greenkeeper. Um, yeah. Uh, the kind of post-lockdown Greenkeeper went in, made the plan and we brought the workforce. That wouldn't have happened without We Are Wakefield because That's it was that wonderful. partnership consideration. <clears throat> Yeah, the Prince of Wales Hospice we worked with, um, McManus Consulting, um, as someone where I've extended a bit away from the student focus, but actually to make that link with the chief executive of Camper Wakefield and the kind of more business side. Mm-hmm. And I'm very keen that I'm not coming to We Are Wakefield 
just to find businesses to work with. It's about the whole approach. You know, yeah. what is it we can do? And equally, Campbell Ethos, historically and current, is about sustainability is about really about kind of environmental impact and, and reducing that. Um, we've worked with, where do we start? The Yorkshire Handbag Lady. Yes. It turned out uh, I did my teacher training the same year as she did over at Huddersfield. Um, she's been out to meet students and talk about that. Um, yeah, there's plenty and, and I will be forgetting you all. No, <laughs> um, it's, it, you know, it's wonderful that this is going to make businesses think about how they can get involved. So you're happy for businesses to get in touch with you, to come and see the college, to talk to the students. And I think that's a great experience, not just for the students, but for the businesses themselves. Yeah, it's what's going to, it breaks down the first barrier. Um, When you come to Campbell Wakefield and the We Are Wakefield Network event, you won't see the students, but you know, from that, arrange with me to come and visit. Because when you see, see the students working, you don't see the disabilities, you see the ability that they have and you see the skills and you see the enthusiasm and you see someone that with a bit of creative thinking you will see they would fit into my workplace. That's wonderful. So how did the two of you come to work together? Who's going to tell me the story? Well, I saw Raph presenting um, in November yes. and it was at the end of his session and thought, Oh, this is something right up our street here. Um, so we um, so we hand make our boxes that our products go out in. We buy waste materials from a local company, again, environmentally friendly, yeah. reducing waste. Um, and we generally make them in-house. We make them ourselves. Um, but once we saw Rafa presenting, it was a light switch had gone on and we thought this is something we could work with here and we Mm -hmm. could offer that this out as a a work experience project really so I immediately approached Raf on the day um and then it it went from there really so so what was the next stage where did you go from there Raf um we invited Claire in and it was actually say bring the box along you're going to meet the woodwork students who are running who are going to run the enterprise you're going to show them how to assemble a box um what I didn't tell her is there's going to be various barriers and challenges when you get there um, including, you know, certain people there who potentially were resistant to stepping back to letting you run the afternoon. <laughs> they like to be involved. Yes, yeah, they, like they to want to involved. see what's happening. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, but to say that, you know, all the boxes that you brought with you and everything that's been left has now been fabricated and is ready to come over. Perfect. And then we're ready to the, for the next lot. Yeah. Um, and that's been something that provided an opportunity specifically for the woodwork where I struggled to find a group work experience for them to go off site. And equally, the demographic of that group, the students, um, were potentially had greater needs that, than could have been met by an external work placement. So to have the internal enterprise that is commissioned by an external business, um, for me, ticks all the boxes and more, because those students are providing a service for um, the port project. Um, and they got... I hope, if I'm right, Claire, they've been involved in the communication as well. So the email doesn't just come from the tutor. But if it comes from the tutor, it might come via the tutor from the whole team. Yeah, yeah. Um, And again, great communication as well. We've had a great experience with it all. And it'll be something we definitely continue. Um, Yeah. yeah, So That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for coming along today. It's great to hear your stories both such phenomenal organisations in, in their own right and beautiful business in the pod project that you must be so proud of and every day must make you exceptionally proud, Raf. So thanks for coming along and telling the stories today and we'll see you at the next We Are Wakefield event, I'm sure. Next yes, Friday. Yeah. 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 Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Claire. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Claire. Thank you, Raph. The We Are Wakefield podcast was produced by Starter Media, proud We Are Wakefield community members. Starter Media is a content production house based in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, with over a decade of experience creating video, animation, live streaming, podcasting, graphic design, and so much more for clients of all sizes across the UK. Starter Media, creating content to wow your audience.